winter cream, the juniper, the cornflower and the chicory. Well, all of the words you said to me are still vibrating in my head. The elm, the ash and the linden tree, the dark and deep enchanted sea, the trembling moon and the stars unfurled. Oh, there she goes, my beautiful world There she goes, my Yeah, man. 
Listen to Ink Studs on CITR 101.9 FM. My guest this week is Chris Wright. Chris's latest book is Black Lung <laughs> uh, from Fanographics. Um, I had Chris on, I just took a look right before we started, uh, three and a half years ago to talk about his uh, collection of short stories from Sparkplug Inkweed. Um, and I, my memory of that interview is uh, pretty blank. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, I remember we talked about it minimally. You were working on something, and it was going to come out one day. And I think uh, here we are. It's out, and uh, you worked on it. <laughs> that sounded really bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> I did work on it, in fact, which had a lot to do with the fact that it got finished. this ink studs is only done in the most abstract of terms um (laughs) sorry it's uh no it's me that's asking (laughs) okay well i um but i mean it is it's kind of a big deal that you got this done i feel like uh for you um looking at inkweed it's uh that was a collection of stories over five years, um, all short stories. Uh, but this is not only, well, this, I don't know if it's more pages or not, but it's bigger. It's a bigger book and it's all one story. Yeah. Um, and it is a story of, um, one of the things I was really reflecting on thinking about the book after reading it is you really, like it's a complete story and there's something in there that uh, trying to think like contemporarily speaking like I get that same feeling I get from like a work by Jason um, where it's like all these ideas have really come together really nicely uh, and it really seems like it's a book you've been working towards to be able to create um yeah, I mean, in a way, I guess it's sort of the culmination of a bunch of themes that I that I uh, when I first started it, I, th- I thought it was a departure from some of the longer stories in Inkweed, um, but I was about halfway through it and I realized no, it's it's still about two men who are sort of at the end of their ropes who are looking back on their lives and wondering if they did the right thing or not, which is pretty much what those three central stories in Inkweed are about. And um, 
I, maybe there's something about the fact that it is a bit of a departure, a bit of a culmination of those themes that makes it different. I mean, the setting is obviously different. It's obviously more involved, and, and there are more ideas in it. Um, but basically, I think it is sort of the the um, Viking funeral of that period of my <laughs> my artistic uh, development. You know, um, I look back at some of this stuff uh, in, in Inkweed, which is kind of hard. I mean, it's hard for me to look at this book sometimes. The, the earlier parts just, you know, it's just kind of painful. Like, where where was I when I was <laughs> doing this? Where was my head? You know, because uh, I'm, I'm making these strange choices, like putting... I, I, I probably shouldn't put point out my flaws publicly, but, but um, uh, you know, just, just like putting... Um, Characters with like black hair against densely cross-hatched backgrounds is like you know why would I why would I do that I mean there really was something about the cross-hatching looking back at it that was I mean I still employ it but it's it's a bit more judicious I think now uh, and a bit more um, deliberate I, I guess I just know more what I'm doing now but back then it was like this <laughs> like I have to do this 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 has to be done. It was like literally kind of a mania, uh, and I've heard people talk about using crosshatching as almost like to mask things, just creatively. Like, I don't. Know, do you feel like doing that crosshatching? Are you trying to cover up for something else? Well, in the beginning, it was, it was definitely, it was definitely a bit of a um, uh, compensation mechanism for the fact that I, I knew I couldn't draw that well, so I needed to have something I thought that that would help me stand out, which is where I think the the sort of strange character designs, the impulse to do that came from originally. It's just to um, because there are so many people who can just draw like a motherfucker out there that I I, I just I needed I felt like I needed something that would that would get me. A little bit of notice, and I and I still like doing those strange um, character designs, but I see it less as a crutch now. And I started recently to to just kind of experiment with doing more strictly humanoid figures, um, just just because I don't know the time has come. I've had too many people compare compare those designs to Fraggles and that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, you Which, know it's. And I, I didn't I've even. Said, I've always said myself, you know, that I that I, I I feel like I'm. I may have even said this last time. I I feel like I'm sometimes I'm trying to make Bergman movies with Muppets. <laughs> See, the funny thing is, I didn't think of Muppets at all while really? reading this. Yeah, it's the one thing I thought of um, earlier today is I was thinking back and I did an interview with Matadi, and something you guys have similar is your characters kind of have this grotesqueness, like mm -hmm. there's this weirdness to them and I remember asking him like if he'd done any like live model drawing and he's like no 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 one exists like how I draw them that would be horrible <laughs> horrible and, and I was thinking like that that made me think of of, of like the, the the people you're creating because like they can't exist mm. and um, I guess where I'm kind of going with this is I'm curious like how do these kind of odd misshapen people how do their visual representations kind of reflect who they are as characters? 
Uh, well, to take specific characters from the book, I mean, you know, the the captain Brom is sort of this. <clears throat> I mean, in some ways, he's kind of an archetypal-looking kind of pirate captain. You know, kind of a blackbeard-looking character. Um, so I wanted something like that, just some something with a kind of dark authority. And I had actually seen, um, I'd read. It might have been the first Phoenix book by Tezuka. And I don't remember any of the characters' names, but um, one of the characters becomes this really old man. And the way that his hair... His hair gets really long and his beard gets really long, the way it kind of drapes around his shoulders. Um, that was just sort of a really appealing design to me, so I, I sort of lifted that. And... Um, added it to, to this sort of like I said, like kind of a, a dark authority figure because um, there's something sort of implies some kind of crazy wisdom about the, you know, the, the, the overgrown hair and the the um, idea of the old man at the top of the mountain uh, meditating <clears throat> in spite of the fact, you know, that he's this horrendous killer um, so the sort of a I guess kind of an intersection there. Well, yeah, I mean, when you say the old man of the mountain, you're referring to Hassanai Saba. Isn't that okay. where the the name comes from? Um, what say that again? The Has the old man of the mountain, like the wise old man of the mountains, reference to the I'm totally gonna mispronounce his name. Oh. Um, the Hassanai Saba Burroughs would write about him a lot. And oh, he was okay. like the Persian like guy who would train his assassins by getting them really stoned on hash. Oh God, I didn't even know. I've never heard of that. Yeah, <laughs> that 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 works perfectly too. That's really, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love I love that though. When like when like you do something and someone's like, oh yeah, that's like this. I'm like, fucking Jesus, <laughs> really? Of but, course it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, that happens with me too. Like I designed. Um, you know Sweeney, who's who's the real lunatic uh, on the boat, and I realized later that the the design is sort of like, um, you know, sort of like a brain. It's sort of like the two lobes of the brain, which because he's he's sort of split down the middle of his face, and um, I realized it's kind of a nice, you know, it, it's like a, a it's like a nice raw manifestation of what a person is you know it's it's the brain right on the top of his head and and uh the fact that it's sort of naked you know he he's a character that doesn't really have much adornment in terms of i don't know whatever it is i do with my characters whether they're tattoos or birthmarks or whatever you know he he's just kind of this pale white square with a split down the middle uh, and and once I realized that that, I, that I, it was kinda like, the, the character kind of worked better for me, which I don't know if that makes sense or not, but mm -hmm. but um, you just you just sort of think of a, if you could see the the electricity actually crackling all over a, a, a functioning brain, um, or with him it's not crackling. Well, it, <laughs> it, it's sort of it's sort of, um, but but it, it's sort of manic, you know. Yeah, and equality to the character. Uh, and then if he takes take a character like Outwater, um, who's the guy with sort of the I I don't know sort of new wave hair that sort of sprigs over his his um, 
phase. I I just I was kind of just going for kind of an outlaw thing with that. That was, that's much more simple, <laughs> straight straightforward. Just like what what would look cool? Just a guy with a beard and like, but you can't see his mouth and his hair is all crazy, and he has a long coat. <laughs> he's sort of he's sort of the re- the rebel, I guess. In the, to uh, put it put it um, in simple terms. Um. So I guess a, a little more thought went into the character designs in this book than, than previous. And again, I look back at Inquid and some of the character designs just seem completely arbitrary to me. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't regret um, using these same kinds of um, mask-like characters in this book because there's something so removed from from uh, any particular time um or 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 uh, uh, place that if I had used human characters, I feel like certain suspicions would have come in on the part of the reader, you know it would have been it, it would have put it too much in this world um, mm-hmm. because I really don't have any particular historical signifiers outside of you know maybe some clothing items and the junk and, boat uh, the what the junk boat. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, because I mean, the golden age of pirates, of course, is what like the late 1600s to the mid 1700s, something. Mm-hmm. Or no, probably the mid 1600s to the late 1700s. I mean, they existed up until well, they still exist today, of course. But um, that idea of a pirate, I think, sort of died out in the mid 1800s. And my history is probably a little fuzzy there, but. Um. Uh, yeah. So, so looking back at it, I I don't think I I I really could have, given the way that the rest of my work has gone, that I could have um, designed the characters any other way. In spite of the fact that I do use realistic-looking ships, and you know, some of the settings are based on actual um, architecture and that kind of thing. <clears throat> so. It's weird. I don't know. I've always sort of thought of it just as an alternate dimension, um, and I never wanted to get too much into world building and that kind of thing. Even though I love that stuff, uh, I didn't want to make up a fake map and and all that crap. <clears throat> I wanted to keep it kind of ambiguous. Yeah, it's it's not a. It's a. I guess the best way to put it for me is like it's all it's a character study, not a an epic. Where you would necessarily have this world building quality. Yeah, right. Yeah, you're sort of in and out in a way. Mm-hmm. Did you have much of an interest in pirates? Was that something you'd done some research in before, or with this book, you kind of looked into it? <laughs> well, I, I did some. I did. I did do some research, but but uh, and I, I I am interested in pirates. But the thing is, there there was a certain point where I realized, oh shit, I'm not that interested in pirates. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, what do I do? <laughs> I'm like, should I, should I keep going with this? And I, I realized, uh, you know, no, I mean, I, I, I am, you know, and I didn't want to get into the whole thing, you know, like spend 10 pages on knots and how to, how to, you know, how to, how the rigging works and, and that kind of thing. I just realized I was most mostly interested in, in 
the characters and in the characters the way the way the characters interact and in um, this sort of um, nexus of lyricism and violence, which is sort of um, is sort of a thing for me, uh, thing thing I respond to and in, in other people's work as well. <clears throat> um, I really feel that kind of that quality that you're saying from other people's work because I feel like you're kind of there's like a really literary quality to this. I mean, you start out Thanks. with the Gilgamesh quote, and then you've got like King Lear in there. Sure. And then you've got like other subtle kind of things. I mean, every character or a lot of the characters have very biblical names. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm and I'm wondering about that, like how that kind of literature goes into your work. Well. <clears throat> I mean, it, it, that's another one of those things. As I was working on it, it sort of my ideas about it changed. Like, I, I started thinking I wanted to make a literary comic, try to make a, a comic. As you know, um, I, I I was into this idea of comics as literature, and as I went on, I started to realize that. Uh, no, comics are comics. It's like it is its own medium, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, and 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 um. But I mean, I've also I've always been interested in in the way that various media cross over, um, and in how novels relate to film, and how you can make a great film out of a shitty novel, and and um why exactly why that is you know why is um uh or or you know even the way even the way that that various um genres relate to each other you know seven samurai is such a great profound piece of work about the human uh uh well not exactly the human experience but <laughs> the japanese samurai human experience <laughs> yeah exactly no but it's about it's about human beings you know uh and 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 then something like uh, um, uh, um, the Magnificent Seven, which is it is a great movie, but but it's 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 like not it, it doesn't have the same kind of earthiness. Um, it's is that it, a Kurosawa. It's, yeah, I mean it's a much more Hollywood kind of thing. Um, but I kind of went down a rabbit hole by comparing movies to movies there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I kind of touching on Kurosawa. That one of the things I was thinking about. Um, is how like, I'm kind of alluding to is, is is like taking these other ideas and like Kurosawa was a good example, say with uh, Ron, which mm-hmm. takes coincidentally from King Lear, um, and, and that that's where I'm kind of seeing where it's like you take these ideas and kind of find a portability with them and kind of mesh them in there. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm trying to come up. I'm trying to be honest about my own motivation yeah. for including that stuff. Uh, and and, um, because I can see certain people thinking, well, he wants to look smart, you know. But I, I guess I, I, I included the passage from Lear in part just to show how out of it this guy really was. I mean, he's teaching a group of, of school children. 
uh, and he's trying to make them understand King Lear. <laughs> it, <laughs> you know, he's so completely detached from from the 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 experience of the classroom, what's actually happening in the classroom. Uh, and I think that's actually true of a lot of actual school teachers. They're trying to stuff these um, incredibly profound ideas and these incredibly beautiful works into these into the minds of these horny fourteen year olds. You know, who who just want to <laughs> who are just interested <laughs> in, in girls or boys or whatever. And and um, um, and then on the ship, there's the passage from Paradise Lost. And I, I just thought that fit really well with um, uh, the struggle that that, that Brahm is having with uh, the captain. Brahm is having with uh, uh, with his own relationship with God or his idea of God, and uh, the war against God, and and uh, you know it just sort of fit nicely into. Or, or sort of serve nicely as a springboard into the little monologue that he gives um, in that section. Um, Do you have an interest I, in, like, Old Testament literature? I have an interest. I, I can't say I have a, a whole lot of, of knowledge. I'm not an authority on that stuff. There's a lot to know. Y yeah, I, <laughs> right. Where do, you, where do you start? I mean, that's always the thing. And uh, In the beginning? Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. That was terrible. <laughs> no, it's actually funny. But um, I mean, it's completely fascinating when when you I've, I've listened to a few um, uh, um lectures. I've I've read a couple books, you know, and and um, it, you know, and and I mean, I, I don't think people really generally have any idea what the Old Testament is really like. <laughs> It's uh, it's so fascinating. I mean, it, it, it's it's sort of the it's it's mythology and history, and uh, the the law all rolled into one package. And I'm sure there are other documents like that, but that's definitely the most. Um, uh, well, I mean, it's the best-selling book in the in the in all the states, at least. I don't know. If it's... <laughs> yeah, I think the uh, Mao's like, Little Red Book kind of beat out everything else at a certain point. Ah, uh, that's probably right. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I mean, and, and those are the themes that we all that 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 uh, still work. I mean, violence and anger and revenge and love and passion and and I mean I think it's all pretty hardwired into the collective unconscious of, of Western civilization well Eastern Middle Eastern civilization at least too. Mm -hmm. Um so there's a certain there's a certain vibe that I was trying to hook into uh without being too specific. Um, um and a certain uh uh, there are certain mythological tropes that I was trying to experiment with a little bit, and uh, um, on top of the, the sort of your sort of standard biblical ones, and because I, I felt like those things, if nothing else, they, if, if even if um, you don't necessarily understand the book, that that you know you you might. Um, the re the reader might might sort of, it might resonate, um, sort of in the back of the head. Like there's something there that 
I respond to, but I don't exactly know why. Whether that's the case or not, I have no idea whether I was successful in that in that regard. But you know, and then these excuse me. These days though, I mean, maybe some of that stuff's getting lost. I don't know. Just just the, the sheer uh capacity to respond to it when it's when it's presented. Everything's so cynical. Not that I'm I'm a religious apologist at all. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs>
we've talked a bit about the, or a bunch here, about the, the literary tropes, um, but also, like, kind of don't want to lose the fact of, like, it is a comic, and you're really able to bring some um, great visualization to the to the narrative, too. Um, and, like, the, when you, the scene where you have a character being sewed into the body of a whale, right. I think was, like, one of the most amazing visual parts well not it, it it was a really great concept and really I'm I don't know I love that part uh <laughs> yeah I've heard I've heard a few people react to that and and it, it's I wish I could take credit for that idea but it's based on a dream that my my friend had um and and he he uh <laughs> in his dream it was first person like he was the one being sewn into the whale, which, which I thought was just absolutely terrifying. Um, it, it would be impossible to to do it first person the way that I was sort of constructing the story. But, um, yeah, that's that's another I thought sort of powerful um, image, which which kind of has a biblical resonance. Um, with Jonah. With Jonah, yeah, which is a bit obvious, but but I think it works on its own as like kind of a just a crazy image (laughs) and I said I wish I could take credit for it but if if I did take credit for it then saying that I thought it was really really good would sound ridiculous would sound pretty arrogant (laughs) I mean it's funny one part you have these characters kind of in an almost Dick Coeyan way being punished for their misdeeds or actions uh, where they're kind of responsible for their own destiny mm-hmm. in a way like um, even going with the quote at the beginning like it's like this is what you did to fuck yourself up so deal with it um, or however I want to say that properly that doesn't right. sound so juvenile um, but in the other part you also kind of have characters in a world where really There's... it's beyond their control yeah well yeah and I mean I think you know, sometimes the admin- the administration of the law is just incredibly arbitrary, and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> and that's I, 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 there. There's an inconsistency, I think, uh, in the way that the characters behave, in the way that they speak and think, and and uh, you know that that I think. I mean, that's sort of how we are. Um, people are incredibly fast to. Um, pass judgment on other people um, but as soon as they're the one in the hot seat you know it's it's like no you don't understand their reasons for this like I'm this way for a reason I did this for a reason and we, we don't really have any control over I mean I don't want to get too big it, it, but it's like it's just we don't have any control over uh, our own consciousness to some extent and I, I guess I was trying to make that a bit explicit um, through the inconsistencies of of the um, the uh, the behaviors of, of certain characters um, you know I mean even even the fact that Brom still thinks there's a god uh, in spite of the fact that he's I, it, it, that that he's sort of been like, uh, there are some people who would just stop believing in God after being screwed over for so long. 
but you know he's he's holding on to this thing um and that 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 inconsistency between uh, uh, I don't know it's well it's a kind of jobian yeah but yeah it is it, it, there there is that that's definitely true but I, I sort of lost track of my thought there. I apologize. <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I, I think I, I sort of said it already. Um, yeah. I, I just, I just, just, um, that, that some crimes are tolerated and, and others aren't. And, and just, we're at the mercy of an arbitrary universe. And, and, uh, we try to deal with that by, by imposing law, um, and and uh, religion, but usually, um, usually things just remain crazy. I don't know if any of that makes sense. Maybe you should cut that out. <laughs> no, no, it makes actually it makes perfect sense. Okay, I I like what you have to say. What I was wondering about is kind of constructing this bigger book for you. Uh, you've spent some time in Vermont. Um, at the CCS as one of the uh, yeah. I can't remember the, the what the role was there the um, fellow the fellow the fellow yes yeah. and so was that while you were working on this book yeah I am um, yeah I was in White River for two years I was um, fellow in I think it was 2007 uh, with Alec Longstreth we were sort of co-fellows and uh, yeah, I, I I did a lot of work. I actually finished it when I was in White River. Um, I don't remember how many pages I did exactly, but um, that was nice. You know, it, it was it was uh, um, you know they have uh, uh, guest artists come through and speak, and I got to meet Kim Deitch and and uh, a few other people. It was. It was, you know, it was it was nice. It was a good experience, and and um, Steve Bissett, uh, who does a lot of the teaching down there, I I can't say enough nice things about that guy. I don't know if you've ever talked to Steve. I got to go for lunch with him uh, when oh, I went through right. a couple of years ago, uh, or for breakfast brunch. It was morning. It was cold. It was food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he's great. Like we sat and talked about uh, Alex Toth for a while. Yeah, yeah. He he just he's just a sort of beyond encyclopedic knowledge of popular culture from the first part of the century to now, and it just sees every movie, reads everything. Just a really sweet, generous guy. Also, uh, so it was it was great to to know him, and of course. Um, James and and uh, James Sturm and 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 uh, you get to chat with Jason Lutz and play just... uh, play any games with Jason. No, I didn't. I I don't have that kind of mind. You know, I, <laughs> I'm not analytical enough to play these these really complex board games. You know, my my approach to uh, my approach to making comics is is sort of like a kamikaze pilot. You know, there there are some people who who just work things over and over and over, and and 
draw the book out completely in pencil and then you know go back and make edits and 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 uh, draw it again and then only then do they start doing the final pencils and you know and and that kind of I would just I would just lose my mind if I worked like that and much much more just kind of strap <laughs> strap in here we go kind kind of a thing yeah I mean, like I, I write I write and I rewrite. Um, and if I were to do something with more, I mean, there are action sequences in Black Lung, but for the most part, when I started, when I start a page, I I know what I want because it's it, there's a lot of uh, conversation in the book and and a lot of uh, um, um, some of the uh, the more fantastical sequences I kind of make up on the spot just because. It just feels natural to me, um, and I, and I'd rather kind of just get it down, rather than uh, kind of meditate over it and get lost in the minutia of whether it's right or wrong and that kind of thing. Um, certain imagery has to come from the gut, I think. Um, uh, but yeah, when I when I pencil stuff, um, unless it's something that I'm not sure about. In which case, I'll, I'll do thumbnails. Um, I tend to do it live on the page. Um, yeah. During your time, so you you were pretty much close to done, or you finished it while working there. And I'm wondering, um, as a fellow, uh, like, do you kind of take in some new knowledge um, that kind of like, how does that work? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's sort of a it's sort of a thing. You, you get um, you get a stipend, and and uh, really you're just allowed to kind of think and and take things in, and uh, you have access to the school's resources, and uh, you know you can talk with students. And I made a a couple of friends who I'll, I'll probably be friends with forever. Uh, and and you know it's it, for me at least it was as much social as anything else. Uh, I've always gotten more out of chatting things over with with friends who really know what they're doing than than I have with uh, from uh, formal education. You know, <laughs> college for me was more like a. Uh, it was more of a. It was. It wasn't really about the classes. It was about you know you're put in this situation where. You have the opportunity to meet all of these these uh, amazing people. Uh, it, and there were probably only two or three professors in my whole time uh, in college that that really sort of turned my head around. You um, went to which, Savannah, which is, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's worth it to meet to meet those few professors because when they do hit, it, they hit. You know, <laughs> they, they change they change the way you think. Uh, about about the art and the world, um, so I, I'm not at all down on college, uh, but um, you know, the, the, it was mostly uh, it, I just I just always gotten more out of out of talking and listening and sort of ruminating than I than I have uh, out of out of formal education. Um, so, in conclusion. <laughs> uh, uh, 
Yeah, it wasn't a formal experience at all, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It, was, it was very sort of, you know. But for like, you as an artist, it's beneficial because you, you get a lot of kind of supportive capacity building in a way Yeah. Uh, for your own process. Yeah, and, and you're, you're allowed to... to uh, you sort of indulge, yeah. I mean, you know, and people are interested in what you're doing, and and um, there, there. I'm always amazed when people I, who I think are, are really amazing like my work at all. You know, <laughs> and there are some people who 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 are were down there. You know, are just like, yeah, that's really great. I'm like, really? <laughs> I made this in my bedroom, but. Um, yeah, it was it was a good environment. It's it's a fertile environment down there if you can handle it because it's very cut off. Well, it's not that cut off because because uh, you know Dartmouth is is right there. And, but but it's a it's a the winters are cold and the sun goes down early and 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 uh, it, it, people can go a little nutty. There's way too much drinking sometimes. <laughs> Out of parties, you know. I did go there uh, at the beginning of December and it was quite cold and. Being yeah. a West Coast boy, that's uh, that's not for me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but they uh, they all laughed at me. They said especially. <laughs> yeah, he's like, this is nothing. It gets colder. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> um, so you've been done this book for a while. So have you started working on other work, or kind of what's been the process since that? Um. I've been thinking about. Um, I've been trying to work that out. I, I, I did a. I've done a couple of short stories since then. Um, trying to work out various themes and ideas. I've been doing a lot of drawings um, and illustrations, uh, which are available on my blog um, in internet form. What's your blog called? It's uh, Hobo Inc. Uh, blogspot with a hyphen between the the hobo and the ink. Okay, and, I was actually. Uh, no, go ahead. Go. Uh, uh, oh, and I've just been trying to trying to work out um, what to do next. I, I just you know I've got a, a whole bunch of files on my computer that are just fragments of lines and ideas and stuff. And I finally hit on this idea. I think I might do. A version of um, Salome, um, you know the the bring me the head of John the Baptist story. Oh, okay. But I may do it sort of as a jumping off point. It hasn't really come together in my head yet. Mm-hmm. Kind of in the way I, I mean, not that I'm not comparing myself to him, but kind of in the way that Fellini used Satyricon as a as a jumping off point for for his Satyricon, which is just totally bananas. <laughs> <laughs> and and kind of do my own, um, uh, just just kind of invent my own story, and deal with what I want to deal with, using those characters in that story as as sort of constructs. I don't know. Like I said, it hasn't really come together in my head yet. But and I, uh, and I don't I don't know how long it'll be. I'm kind of hesitant to. I I kind of want to embrace the short form, <laughs> just because. I mean, it is really hard to spend so much time on something, uh, and and then have it come out. And, I mean, it's hard to sort of build a reputation uh, when it when it's so long in between books, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, so this, this, I, I've noticed uh, with 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 a, a bunch of cartoonists that, that they're thinking, yeah, you know, this this long maligned form of of the pamphlet comic book, uh, you know, it, it was it was so hated because we all wanted to be taken seriously, and now I feel like a, a lot of us are are <laughs> kind of looking back at that 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 maligned form kind of. And Halcyon lens. Yeah, maybe maybe that was a better way of doing this, actually. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Like someone like Noah Van Skyver mm-hmm. has really, yeah, you know, embraced it and pushed it. Yeah, and I think like it's done really well for him. Yeah, um, I mean, hypo yeah. is fantastic, yeah. but yeah. like, it's also that excitement of getting a new comic by him. Yeah, and and it's it's I, I mean even those those. Underground books. I mean, you know, if you'd hate or eight ball or whatever. I mean, it's not like they ever really came out on a regular basis, but but they were there, you know, a few times a year at least. Yeah. And and there was always something to look forward to. Whereas now it's like, <laughs> you know, he spent <laughs> six or seven years on something. It's like, well, here it is. And, Did so. you ever get into doing mini comics? Not really. I was never a mini comics guy. Um, I, I did a few. I never really did any in terms of. I, I never. I was never big on on distributing them or anything. I'd, I'd do a bunch and take them to a show. And um, there aren't that that many that have um, any material really worth republishing. <laughs> some some of the stuff was actually in in Inkweed. Um, uh, I I never I just never I'm not resourceful enough I don't I don't know what it is you know I, and I've I have friends who are just really really good at it and really um into the whole idea and I just always wanted someone else to do that for me <laughs> it's not healthy I'm not proud of that you know a mini comic publisher yeah. Yeah, well, there there have there are a few of those, I guess. Or the one percent press and and Chuck Forsman's oily. Yeah, yeah, oily. Yeah, good for Chuck. Jesus, <laughs> he was at uh he was in White River for a long time. I'm, I'm, it's great to see people you knew like uh, before anybody knew them, like sort of make a name for themselves. Yeah, no, it's still funny to think uh, Chuck, especially like just over these last couple of years really hit his stride. Like, he was always really good, but right now it's just like... Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen his stuff in a while, but but everybody's everybody's raving about it. And uh, Melissa, too, his girlfriend, I don't think they're married. I don't think so. I, but it, it's... It, that Her work is just... Um, it's so uh, warm. Yeah. <laughs> and, Freddy. And full of heart. Yeah, the Freddy stuff. It's It's almost heartbreaking. It's so... You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> she really, it's got like, a really, like, genuine quality to it. Yeah, she really hit something about um, kids and, and their relationships to adults. I mean, and again, I'm, I'm afraid I'm not up on that. I used to I used to be up on everything, but I'm, I'm getting old. I guess <laughs> it's a sign <laughs> that you're getting old is when you, when you turn around and look at your bookshelf. It's like, fuck, I haven't read half of this. And I'm like, <laughs> do I really need more stuff? I don't know. <laughs> you do. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Um, 
Well, thank you, Chris, for uh, taking the time to chat with me today. No uh, sweat, man. Remind thanks folks. For, thanks for having me. Uh, I've been talking to Chris Wright. His latest book from Fanographics is Black Lung. Uh, as well, I don't know if there's still copies in print of Inkweed from Spark Plug. Um, there might be. There probably are. I, I, yeah, I don't know either, but I think there are. If there are, get some. Spark plugs are good folks. Uh, thank you so much, Chris, for taking the time. I'm a, I'm a fan. And uh, Black Lung, congratulations, you done good. Thank you, thank you, Robin. Delia was a gambling girl, gambled all around. Delia was a gambling girl, she laid her money down. All the friends I ever had are gone. Delia's dear mother took a trip out west. When she returned, the had gone to rest. All the friends I ever had gone. He is daddy weak. He is mama mom. Wouldn't have been so bad if the poor girl. All the friends I ever had are gone Cutty's looking high Cutty's looking low The friends I ever had are gone High up on the housetops High as I can see Looking for them around us Looking out for me All the friends I ever had are gone Men in Atlanta Trying to pass for way Noise about all about them around us, just 
Could he say to the judge What might be my fine Judge says, poor boy You got ninety-nine All the friends I ever had are gone Cut is in the jailhouse Drinking from an old tin cup She might never, never get up All the friends I ever had are Friends I ever had 